You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi there. I'm Gregor, co-host of the Full 90 Extra Time podcast. I just want to apologize. This episode was supposed to come out last week before the Toronto FC match, so there's some mentions in there of that. I could have just not aired it, I guess, but Brandon's out of town, so we had sports writer for Seattle Sounders. He covers them. He's Ari Lillianwall, and we had a great conversation, and there's some awesome insights into what it's like to be a beat reporter for a sports team. I'm not going to miss that opportunity. So I apologize for the stuff that we would have been talking about it being timely. It's, It's just not. Corporate made changes to our feed and ruined everything. Garbage. That's fixed now, evidently. This will upload and you'll hear it. But anyway, here's my talk with Ari Lillianwall. Uh, you can expect us to also talk with James Woolard, stadium announcer for Seattle Sounders FC in coming episodes. So uh, it's getting exciting around here. Anyway, enjoy. And welcome to the Full 90 Extra Time podcast, our weekly look into Seattle Sounders FC, nerdy soccer culture, fan outrage, insert sound effect, and an attempt to understand the hottest soccer league not funded by foreign royalty MLS. I am Gregor. I'm on the morning host on 107.7 The End, and uh, the guy who's been in the locker on the pitch and in the stats booth at Central League Field, Brandon from the internet, is on vacation. I'm Brandon. I'm in Europe. I'm looking at art wrong. I'm leaning on a pyramid. I post on the internet. I'm Brandon. <laughs> he will be sorely missed for his detailed statistics <laughs> in this pod. Actually, no, we're just going to cut all that out. Let's just, we have a guest today. His name is Ari Lillianwall. We're both from New Mexico, so that's very exciting. We have some pretty serious New Mexico United talk. It's pretty great. <laughs> no, but more importantly, we'll pick his brain a little bit about what it's like to be a sports writer for a team and how that grind kind of goes and kind of like where he's at with the Sounder squad after years of covering him compared to others. It's fun. It's a great talk. We'll talk to him here in just a minute. This week, the somehow second in the West Sounders FC take on the, you don't pronounce the second T, Toronto FC in a battle for MLS Cup past in the present. Only daytime. It's a 1 p.m. match. CenturyLink Field here at home. And I don't think I have childcare. Damn it. Damn it. Okay. Sorry. All right. Let's drop into a conversation here with Ari that he came by the studio. We had a nice long talk. It's a lot of fun. The guy is super duper smart and his hot takes are fiery. Watch your fingertips. Hi. Ari, how do I say your last name? Lillian Wall, so the J is just a Y. Lillian Wall. Yeah. Okay, I would have said Lillian Wall and that's, just kind of skipped over the J. That's what a lot of people do, or people just pronounce the J. That's the most common one. Okay, so Lillian Wall. Lillian Wall. What's the background on that? Swedish. Yeah. Pure Swede. 
Yeah, so you and old Gustav, Sumo Svensson. Yeah, yeah, that was like my bandwagon team. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Okay, I mean, if, if that's like I root for the Hungarians because my dad's Hungarian. Right, like everyone like, had to pick one. <laughs> okay, so occasionally we like to invite someone who actually knows what the crap they're talking about. Joining us to pod with a hot bod, he's Ari Lillianwall. Yeah? Yeah, you got it. All right, yeah. nice. He's a New Mexican, which is important to me, samesies, and a sports writer for MLSsoccer.com and beyond. I think you're making your money elsewhere because... Uh, the MLS season is pretty young still. Uh, well, yeah, and believe it or not, uh, MLSsoccer.com is not a very lucrative <laughs> endeavor that might shock some people who think I'm getting rich off covering the team, but I am not. So, yeah, it's like, you know, freelancing, piecing together a living through multiple gigs is kind of the life I lead. I never realized that soccer players or professional athletes do so little. Like they like they're they're busy for long stretches. Like I guess if you're a baseball player, it's kind of the worst because you're like at the stadium all day and it's like a huge grind. But like a soccer player has like an hour practice in the morning and then maybe some weights and then it's just like don't get hurt. Yeah, yeah, no, that's totally true. Like, I if you look at the routine of the average player on the team that you know they go to Starfire at probably eight o'clock in the morning and, then, and you're there. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm definitely not there then, but you know, yeah, like you said, they train. Do weight training, and then I've always wondered that too. It's like, what do you do for the rest of the day? If you look at uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz's Instagram story, you kind of get a little peek into that. <laughs> like, the guy's just messing around most of the day and hanging out with his kids and playing video games and blasting music in his house and stuff. Like, it is. It's more like downtime than I think people think. It'd be like super hard to not get in trouble. I could see sort of like. So I mean I know you got to go down to Starfire for like uh, the press conferences after afterwards and stuff or to ask coach questions or whatever that is that's happening. So maybe like a small portion of your day gets chewed up in the commute going back and forth. Kind of can't make morning plans, but then it also leaves you open to whatever you do in the afternoon too. So for them, like I, I can understand when athletes get in trouble because they just have like nine hours to drink or yeah. whatever. No, being a freelance writer is honestly like kind of a similar idea. Like my my friends will like make fun of me for that constantly because they all have nine to fives. <laughs> like if I ever if I'm ever like, oh no man, I can't hang out. I gotta work. They're, it's like they're get out of here, man. You you don't work. You don't do anything. You're not you're not writing. You don't have a real job. I'm like, no, seriously. I I, I do things. I have stuff to do. I have a story to write with quotes and interviews and stuff. It's a legitimate. I've got to transcribe they, things. Yeah, no, they just are never having that. It's uh, I, I've I've even I've stopped trying to push back on it. I kind of just embrace it. <laughs> yep. Like, yeah, you're right. It's a it's a weird schedule. Uh, the lack of health insurance must be c- concerning. That's like one of the biggest things I've had to reckon with as I uh, get later into my 20s is just not having a salary and benefits. You know, I've, I've wrangled up a setup between MLS and, you know, writing for the team website and a couple other gigs I do and just generally freelancing where I, I get by month to month. But, uh, you know, like I said, the closer I get to, to 30, I'm 26 now, so I'm still pretty young. Yeah. But, uh, I'm like, man, like an actual job with a salary and benefits. Like, I've been putting it off for a long time, but some something might have to give on that eventually. Because well, what does that look like? Like, what do you do? You, can you find a writing gig? Does that even exist anymore? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's the problem I have. Like, like it's, Pence, Matt Pence for, uh, formerly wrote yeah. for the Seattle Times, and they yeah. were just like, nah, we don't care about soccer. Right. And then, you know, he got, he landed on his feet and is now working for The Athletic, which was is one of the only, like, traditional journalism type platforms that seems to be doing well but in terms of like working for a newspaper i i would not i wouldn't stop freelancing to uh get a job at a 
normal newspaper right now. I just think it's a, a dying industry and you're kind of asking to, uh, to not have a lot of job security there. You know, like can I recommend getting into podcasting? Right, yeah, that's another. That's, that's a future. That's a lucrative endeavor as well. <laughs> I've really picked the uh, the riches in this path. <laughs> exactly. The, you've picked the highest fruit on the tree. But the flip side of it is, I get to go to soccer games, and that's a lot of fun. So, how much? Okay, so as a you cover Seattle Sounders FC, that's like a, one of the things you do. Yeah. How much do you actually get interwoven with the team? I guess people like when they when they hear sports writer, even if you're freelance or not, you're like, oh man, you're everywhere. But like they were supposed to have a match tonight, got canceled due to weather, and you're not there. You're here talking to me. So how interwoven with you are you in this like squad? I would say I've gotten pretty integrated with the team over the years. I don't travel to every road game, but I some uh, yeah, I go to some. I always do Vancouver and Portland because those are drivable. And mm-hmm. the last couple years, I've been trying to expand outside of that i ultimately want to get to every mls stadium <laughs> and uh i'm not uh close to that quite yet but i mean i've been i've been all around at this point i've been to new york twice uh, i've been to both their stadiums there I've been to la twice toronto for both mls cubs colorado twice uh there's probably a couple more i'm missing so uh i uh, that's a that's a big uh that's like the funnest Part of it for me is getting to go to other places and kind of experience their scene and all that. But as far as uh, how integrated I am with the team, I mean, you know, it's not like a friendship or super personal type of relationship you get with the players. It's, for the most part, a very just kind of reporter-player type dynamic, and there always seems to be sort of a wall there. But, you know, like... They, the guys on the team, they see me at practice every day. They all know who I am. A few of them know my name, you know. So you get to know them like a little bit, but you know, I don't. You're not like buddy buddy with them. Uh, in fact, I would say a lot of uh, pro athletes, if anything, don't like talking to reporters, uh, which is something that you have to deal with. Uh, but I always say there's like kind of three types of guys on pretty much every team sure. that you want to cover, which is. Some of them absolutely just hate talking to the reporters. If like, you will, give me examples of these from the Sounders so we can understand what these types are. And if you don't want to, I understand. I mean, uh, Clint Dempsey would be the most obvious name that comes to mind as someone who really, you know, he he just didn't like talking to reporters. And, you know, that's fine. Not everyone's going to enjoy it. Uh, I would have hoped that, you know, for the highest paid player on the team, he would uh, brave it a little more, I guess. Like... <laughs> answering questions for 10 minutes once a week as the highest player, biggest star on the team, one of the biggest stars in the league. Never, like, it doesn't feel like a lot to ask. But, like, you know, at the same time, I'm not trying to – like, it's just something he, – he's a very private person, introverted type guy, sure. family-oriented, all that. Yeah, but, I mean, he, ESPN steps up and he's like, yeah, let's go. But but that's because he has to. You know, if he didn't have to do that, yeah. he, he probably wouldn't. He just he, – most one of his most famous quotes that uh, Matt Pence got from a great expose he wrote uh, last year, I think, was – uh, I, I think at one point when he was on the national team, he told Michael Bradley or something, I just want to score goals and go fishing. And that's the kind of guy that uh, – Clint was, and I, you know, I understand that. Uh, I think sometimes when you have an athlete like that, reporters will hold it against him a little bit. I, I, I really don't, just because that's just the type of person he is. He, he's not a big talker to anyone, so why would he like talking to the media? I have a joke with the PR staff because apparently they always get uh, pitches for uh, stories from national outlets where they want to send a reporter to go fishing with uh, 
Clint Dempsey, and they're like, <laughs> we're going to take a camera out to the boat, and we're going to fish with Clint. And, and apparently they get this, like, all the time. So sometimes I'll go to practice, and they'll be like, hey, who do you need to talk to today? Uh, and I'll be like, oh, can we get fishing with Clint set up? Uh, <laughs> I've been waiting for years now. I've been waiting to get <laughs> on uh, fishing with Clint. Uh, and uh, Matt Winter of Sounders PR had a great line when I made that joke once. was like, yeah, people do ask me that a lot. And uh, I always wonder, like, why would he want to combine his favorite thing with his least favorite thing? <laughs> Which is like, that's very true. Uh, but, you know, on the flip side of players like that, um, uh, a guy I really appreciate is Christian Roldan. Yeah. Because uh, he's the exact opposite in insofar as it doesn't matter what happens on the field. It doesn't matter how the team is playing. Uh, he'll, he, he will get up there. He will answer questions. Honestly, he won't he won't be short with you just because the team lost or anything like that. He answers it like a pro. He gives you the most honest answers that he can. And, I, you know, I really, for us as reporters, we just appreciate that because, uh, you know, you're going to lose sometimes yeah. as a professional athlete. Like, you don't win every game. You're not always going to be in a stretch where you're playing well. And you still have to talk to reporters, you know, whether you like it or not during those stretches. So it just really helps us to have guys on the team who we can rely on to – not bolt from the locker room after a loss and get up there and answer questions. So Christian's like that. Uh, Brad Evans was a guy who was really well known for being like that. He was the captain of the team. You know, I remember games where, you know, they lost like four zero or five zero or whatever. And uh, Brad Evans would get up there and be a reasonable guy about it. Answer the questions, be honest about it. Um, Give you a sack tap in the process. Right. (laughs) Exactly. But, uh, and then there's guys that are just basically, They'll they'll do it. They're not happy about it. They're not stoked about it. It's just kind of part of the job for them. They don't mind it, but it's not like their favorite thing either. I would say probably most of the guys on the team fall in that category. I'm thinking of Chad Marshall when I think of that, like a guy who does not necessarily (laughs) want to be interviewed but will say things. Yeah, he. uh, I've always gotten the vibe that Chad actually falls in the category of really doesn't like talking to reporters. That's just based on like a few instances over the years where he's been asked a question that he thinks is stupid, which definitely (laughs) happens. Like, uh, that'd be my biggest fear if I was in your shoes. Oh yeah. And then it's definitely happened to me. Like it can't not because you're in so many of these scrums and you're, uh, you're asking so many questions. I'm not like a great, public speaker anyway so like it's definitely happened to me where i've stumbled over my words in a question or just have not worded my question correctly and it's came out wrong and i've gotten funny looks and uh that's pretty mortifying and you you have to be uh you have to be careful with chad though because he's one of the ones where if you do ask a stupid question he's not he's not gonna bail you out like brian schmetzer if you ask him a stupid question which happens all the time, like it, it, the, I would say, it games more because there's a lot more TV cameras there, and those oh people get intimidated. Well, no, I don't think it's that they're intimidated. It's just that they're not around the team. They're not like a regular part of the beat on, on a day to day basis. So they're not as plugged into all the storylines and what's going on as like a reporter like I am is. So that in, invariably will lead to questions that you know, are obviously from someone who hasn't really been following what's going on. Brian Schmetzer will bail you out every time. Ziggy Schmidt was like that too, uh, 
where you could ask, you could ask them the stupidest, most nonsensical jargon question of all time, and they'll just find a way to to bail you out and give a normal answer. I think just in the spirit of non-social awkwardness, right? Like you know, but uh, but like some of the players are like like Chad Marshall. Like I said, if you ask him a stupid question, he'll give you a look. He'll probably be like, "What is that question like that?" So you gotta you gotta watch out for that. I tend to just like rehearse my questions so yeah. many times in my head, and uh, just try and make them as airtight as I can, so I don't have to deal with that. But like I said, that's it's it happens to everybody, and it's for sure happened to me. I yeah, I have some stories about that. But. I don't want you. This one I don't want you to name names on. But are there people there that like as soon as they start talking, you're like, here we go. <laughs> Players, you mean? No, uh, like other people asking questions. Oh, sorry. Yeah, definitely. How yeah, we yeah. like? Oh, this guy. Yeah. Uh, I felt that I, way. I, it's not as many people that are on the day to day beat. Like, yeah. it, like, like that usually happens when it's uh, like a TV reporter or just maybe even a national reporter, like who like, who isn't plugged into the team and just co- they come in hot with a question that's either been asked a hundred times or just doesn't make sense based yeah. on what's actually going on with the team. And yeah, that oh, that's definitely just like. Oh, I dread I dread that because it's socially awkward for everyone. Yeah, like happens. secondhand embarrassment kicks in. Where totally. You're like, oh. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it, it, you know, it actually it's frustrating for the rest of us because the players, you know, they get irritated with those dumb questions and they sort of lump that in with like all, all well, all the reporters, all reporters, the media are all idiots because I got asked this stupid question. And it's not really fair because I think most of the people on the day to day beat we are pretty good at asking questions like you know there are exceptions in individual instances but i think generally uh we're, we're all pretty good about stuff like that and then you know you have a national reporter a tv reporter who's not even part of the beat come in and undermine you it's frustrating <laughs> <laughs> just like that too it's just like it could be all like, yeah, thanks man you just set us back like three months with chad marshall <laughs> and now he's never going to want to talk again great Ah, oh, that's a that's tough, man. What a tough, uh, what a tough situation to get like lumped into to have to do. That. I, I was at the Zulily launch, and just watching this thing happen, and some of the questions that came out, man. I was like, "What are we doing here? Like, <laughs> let's be professional, folks." Like, I love a good joke, and I love, uh, I love getting funny answers and funny like reactions. <clears throat> out you got to know when to pick your spots on that. Yeah, yeah, but this was like, I just wanted anyone to say something amusing because it was so painful to start with. It got better over time. But yeah, it was like, no, it's that's definitely part of it, man. Like, now, so is it? Like I'm looking for a fun video clip or something. Like I think of it kind of from like a social media aspect. But you, as a reporter, trying to write a story, do you want some? Do you prefer characters or do you prefer just like uh, drier details about stuff? You know, I I appreciate guys who will give outside the box quotes just because, especially with athletes, like they're they're trained to be so boilerplate yeah. and just dish cliches, man. Yeah, it, but you know, it's fair enough because I, I get the mentality of not wanting to ruffle feathers and not wanting to say anything that people are going to latch onto and create controversy. So I I get why they do it, but when you get a guy who will actually give. A good quote, like it is, it is really refreshing. Uh, Brad Evans again is yeah. a good example of someone where you could be in a scrum and you never knew, and he was just going to bust out with some absolute gold. He's probably one of the best quotes 
I've gotten to cover on the team. Uh, Hercules Gomez. Yeah. That's another guy who I would say, uh, great interview. Like you could put him up there in a scrum and, uh, ask him just normal questions. Like you would ask any other player and he would just dish absolute gold and your story could write itself at that point. So like, I definitely appreciate guys like that. As far as on the team right now, I think Stefan Fry might be the best quote on the team. He's maybe not as colorful as Hurt Gomez or Brad Evans, but he's kind of an introspective type dude. Like, uh, he's, he's very smart guy and kind of analytical type guy. So you can ask him questions and he'll give you really like detailed sort of more thoughtful answers than like, Oh, we're going to go out there and give 110% and trusting God, yeah, yeah. trust in the process, <laughs> trust in my mom. Like he he's <laughs> he'll actually give you real answers. There's probably a couple other guys I could think of sort of in that vein. Um you know, but uh well, I'm always as, looking yeah. for some sort of like character to it, some like heart to these things and like the narrative of a sports team is a little bit different unless you went from I don't know. Awful start, and then in July everything sparks up, and you go. Well, has on that to ever that. happened with the Sounders? <laughs> One day it'll happen. We'll get a good narrative out of them. But, <laughs> but I'm always looking for that character to get fans behind. And who is that? Someone that like my, my like my wife, obviously, because this is not yeah. a stretch. Loves Brad Evans, and so he's right. gone, and she's like, well, I don't know who to root for anymore. I don't. And her interest in Seattle Sounders has gone down as a result of yeah. it, other than hearing me yap on about it. So like. I'm always looking for those characters that will show up bigger, like a little bit larger than life on screen and in the uh, and in the newspapers and stuff. And right now, I can't think of who that person is for Seattle. I almost feel like it's uh, he's not playing a lot right now. I almost feel like it's New Who. Yeah. Like, so here's a kid who is from Cameroon, and uh, they went and scouted him and found him there and brought him to play for S2, what was known at the time as S2. The, USL minor league affiliate um and he was part of a big group of players that they like young players that they imported that year which I want to say was either it was either 2015 or 2016 I think 2016 was his first year uh but like they didn't really know what they were getting you know he's very uh uh, physically gifted, uh, just athletically, but uh, kind of raw so- had raw soccer skills at the time that they needed to develop, and he really rose through that system as sort of an underdog story and became one of, if not the first player to make that jump from S two to the first team. Uh, so he's very it's easy guy to root for from that standpoint. Just a young kid who's just trying to make it and all that, but then also. Uh, Easily the most entertaining player to watch play soccer. Well, first of all, he looks team. like he has action figure legs bolted onto him. Yeah, like, like when you watch him run, that's like kind of what endeared him to the fans. Uh, the, I, I remember uh, one of the first games he played at CenturyLink. The first time the fans saw him doing that run up the up the flank, just arms pumping, like incredibly fast, but just exaggerated. I almost feel like they might have told him to like key it back because he's <laughs> maybe expending more energy than he needs to. Because he just used to get those arms pumping, and it was a sight to see him charging down the field. It still is. Uh, it's just in- incredibly fast. Uh, but, you know, entertaining, uh, as I- I've heard Garth Lagerwey say, is uh, not necessarily the first attribute you want in a defender, right? So that's sort of <laughs> like they almost – it's been a 
project to sort of get him to scale back some of the antics. But the antics are great. Like the the unnecessary bicycle kicks, like <laughs> the the flips on the field and the um, you need to be Elba Femi Martins before you're going to yeah. be. You need to be delivering that level performance or paycheck. Yeah, well, uh, but but the thing is, he's you know he's a defender, so he he actually his his defense. He's one of the better defenders on the team. Uh, I think the developmentally where he's maybe stalled out a little bit is the Sounders really like their fullbacks to push forward and attack and get crosses in and maybe even get in positions where they can score themselves. And that part of his game just hasn't quite gotten there yet. And that's why when they brought Brad Smith in, Brad Smith is a very polished attacking player. And you can just see how much further he along he is in that way than knew who is and that's why he's starting but getting back to the original point like as far as like a character on the team that's easy to root for and the fans can get behind like i think it, i almost think it is new who uh right now yeah that's crazy man jordan morris is obviously another great story because he's the local kid i, I never have He's not one that really blossoms in interviews either, though. He's like a very like reserved guy, and he seems like a pretty calm dude. Uh, yeah, totally. Normally speaking, that's so. just yeah, that's just who he is. He's just a like you said, reserved type guy. Uh, not like super big on the spotlight. You know, he took a lot of criticism uh, when he first chose to sign with the Sounders because he could have signed in the Bundesliga and U.S. national team fans or at least a segment of them uh, felt like he could have developed further as a player. Well, that's interesting because I see in the, like, someone did a Google doc of all the, the power rankings after the first quarter of 2019 and where they're at, and he's lower down than Christian Roldan, for instance. Like, uh, I, I don't know whose metrics these are that they're determining it by, but he was, like, well past the 40th best person on the team at that Well, point. and I think... A lot of that is just because he's been hurt sure. for the last year and a half. But uh, I mean, you're seeing it for the Sounders that he's great. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think people kind of either forgot about or just started sleeping on the talent level that's there. With I mean, he's been he was out for the better part of 18 months, and then had a terrible season. second season. Like he didn't deliver. He, he was he was struggling uh, in that second season for sure. Um, but he also injured his hamstring in that season yeah, yeah. and then never really came back from that. He he got back, I want to say, for MLS Cup, uh, but he he didn't he couldn't play for like the second part of that season and in the playoffs. And then he tore his ACL in the first Champions League game of the God. next season. So like uh, he's he's been out of action for so long that I think people f- kind of forgot how talented he is. But I mean, you're talking about a guy who at one point. Uh, was considered the kind of next big thing in U.S. soccer, really. Like, he was supposed to be uh, the sort of savior up top for the national team. Now he's playing on the wing. But uh, he's back in the mix for the U.S., which is great for him. And he's producing for Seattle. But really, like... It's 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 another situation like Nuhu when you when you're talking about just the physical gifts. I don't think you can name five guys in MLS right now that are bigger, faster, and more just athletic than Jordan Morris. He's surprisingly and, big, right? Yeah, he's he's a big he's a big kid. Like he uh, he's not like super super tall, but uh, he's just built and incredibly fast. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. I I was thinking actually like I'd like to see a foot race between him and Nuhu. I don't know, I don't know who would win that. But uh 
when you have the physical gifts like that, like, you know, I think people have criticized his, his finishing at times. And, and especially, like you said, in that second season, I think that was a maybe a fair criticism. But uh, he's producing right now. I mean, he scored, you know, there's the, the le- his left foot is the big talking point always. Like, he's too reliant on his right foot. It doesn't, doesn't can't finish with his left foot. I mean, you saw what he did against Cincinnati in the opener where Victor Rodriguez puts in a cross from really far away. It's coming in fast. And he uh, gets the shot on frame with his left foot and, and puts it in for a goal. So, what a what a double impact that that had! Like not yeah. only do I still have the goal scoring, but also totally left Narr- foot narrative jerks. busting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think uh, you know, I think the Sounders as a whole have slowed down a little bit the, the last couple games. They've only had one goal in their last two games. But I, I think Jordan Morris is he's primed for a big year. I mean, he was rookie of the year in 2016. He had. 12 goals, four assists in the regular season, scored the game winner in the Western Conference Championship, already has an MLS Cup. So uh, he the there's more pedigree there than I think people maybe give him credit for sometimes just because of how injured he's been. Yeah. But it's not like uh, – I don't think he's like as unproven as some people like to, like to say he is. Sure, sure. I, I look forward to seeing him get some more minutes in that uh, U.S. men's national team. Now, I see you – Sometimes, from time to time, defending yourself on Twitter about not being a fan of that was only one thread. One th- okay, fine, but like that. Explain why that would be important to somebody in your position. Well, sports honestly, I really I don't think it is that important necessarily. In that, if you're from an area and uh, you've been watching a team your whole life, and then you get a job covering them, I think that's fine. I think people can cover a team objectively uh, that they've been a fan of if you know you just have to look at it without your blinders on the only point i was trying to make is that i'm i'm just i'm literally not from here yeah so like that that's all i was saying like uh if i if i was from here and i'd been a sounders fan my whole life i i would admit that i would say yeah i grew up here watching the team but you know for the purposes of covering it uh i i just do my best to put that to the side and just call it how i see it uh, but I, you know, I, I posted that cause I was just getting irritated because <laughs> I, I heard that like a few times in the, in the uh, preceding few days. And finally it was just like, look, I'm from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Like I, I, and you know, I, uh, I would say I root for the team in, in, out of self-preservation and that <laughs> when they are playing well, it's just a lot more of a fun job yeah. when they're playing well and they're winning. Uh, it's like one of the funnest. It's one of the funnest jobs there is because uh, everyone's happy. The players are happy to talk to you. The the vibes are good. And and you know by by contrast, when they're losing, it's the exact opposite. No one wants to talk to you. The media is the enemy and all that. Um, but I feel like being from Santa Fe, I don't have I. I don't have like the emotional attack. It's not like I was. Well, we both know you're a big New Mexico United that's, fan. That, okay, that's... I, I, I'm touched on that because that's uh, that's the team that I'm a fan of. I, I watch every single one of their games. They're uh, a USL squad that's playing U- against Tacoma Defiance, formerly yeah, S2. Like exactly. It's, uh, the, the team that I actually. Well, I think New Mexico getting a team kind of made me realize what like tr- true fandom is in the sense of like 
a real actual emotional attachment to it that's based on where you're from. Here, this is totally no one gives a crap about this except for me. But like, how about UNM? Like, if UNM's doing something, do you get excited about that? Yeah, no, sure, team? sure. Yeah. Like when they're when they're good at basketball and make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I'll, I'll get on the Lobos bandwagon. I'd be lying if I said I was a like big Lobos fan growing up and I follow all the teams and like went to the football games and stuff. But if I see them doing well, like New Mexico State when they made the NCAA tournament, I had a little hometown pride yeah. for that, definitely. But you know, as far as the Sounders go, like uh you know, I uh I I came in. I went to Western Washington in Bellingham for college. And then, so your uh, hacky sack game is yeah, awesome. And then I picked up the yeah exactly. Then I picked up the MLS gig like right as I was graduating. Uh, so I I actually legitimately did uh, come to the scene as pretty much a complete outsider. So that and it's it's not even like to make like a big show of making an argument that I'm objective and I like call it how I see it or whatever. It's just pointed out like the you're not a homer the, for the team. The, yeah, it's just pointing out the fact that I'm literally not from seattle so so like calling me a homer doesn't make sense i guess is yeah exa- that's exactly it is that it's like it's an adopted team if nothing else yeah exactly exactly and you know uh like i said uh new mexico united coming into the usl and watching them like get their first goal in the usl scored by devin sandoval who used to play for unm he's a big star and play he played for real salt lake for a long time but like the emotions that I felt in that moment were like different than anything I've uh, ever felt like watching the Sounders score a goal. I, one thing I will cop to, I guess, is when they, I would say both times when they made the MLS Cup, I, I found myself rooting for the team in a way that I probably wouldn't during like a regular season game. Just because at that point, like you've been through the whole season these really long, just emotionally draining playoff runs. And at that point, you're like, you know what? Just get it done. Like, I I, I don't want to go to a sad, uh, just lost the MLS Cup locker room after this game, but also just bring the trophy back to the city. You may as well at this point. Like, that's sort of, that's sort of how I felt going well, to Toronto. Well, you've done both, both now. Yeah, and so one year, the first year I covered that game, they won it in penalties, and then the second year they lost 2-0. So I got both sides of that but we went, to, like the, the, we went to the second one and the toronto fans were so awesome they like they bantered yeah. just a little bit and then like when there was stoppage time down 2-0 and we were like let's just get out of here before it happens they all like patted us on the back as we were leaving and so they were yeah, like friendly canadians they, they yeah. were like they were the epitome of friendly canadians yeah. when they were winning which is nice they weren't jerks about it but it was a uh, uh, you know i almost feel like that uh, that second year i really thought seattle was just playing with house money in that game yeah. because toronto was so good that year and playing at home and uh they had won in penalties the year before so you know at, at wor- the worst case scenario is you go one out of two going to two mls cups in toronto against an eastern conference powerhouse that's not a bad haul uh not to say that that played into their mentality in the game at all i don't think they were thinking about that i think they were thinking about starting a dynasty um but you know, I think if you ask Brian Schmetzer halfway through 2016 when the team was six, twelve, and two, like you're gonna go, you're gonna end up making MLS Cup and going to Toronto twice in the next 
two years and you're going to win one of them, I think he's definitely taking that. Yeah, absolutely. As he should. That's great. That's like well deserved. So you have a awesome Twitter presence, and um, to be frank, Sounders Twitter sometimes can be very challenging. Um, but you're—I mean—you have to throw yourself into the middle of it, otherwise you're kind of like not in the conversation. Literally, um, does the team monitor that in any way? Do they know if you're being tough on them, or if you're getting? Can you like get cracks in there and be have fun with it, or do you try and guard yourself? Uh. I think I have a pretty good relationship with uh, Sounders Twitter and uh, the team in general <laughs> at this point. The thing is, like, uh, so one thing I I try to avoid is like being overly critical to like show that I'm objective. We call that Casey Kellering. Yeah, sure. Uh, that I, I don't like. That's you're being equally dishonest doing that as you are if you're showering the team in praise when they're not playing well. So I try not to do either of those things. I just try and look at it exactly. I try and look at exactly what's going on in front of me, and just comment and dish my red hot takes based on that. And if people disagree with them, uh, they'll voice that. But uh, no, I mean, like the fact is, I think if you go through the years and look at how I've covered the team, because yeah. I've covered them through pretty much everything at this point. I've covered them through when they were 6-12-2 and two and looked like the worst team in MLS, and Ziggy Schmidt got fired and all that. All right, too. Yeah, and uh, I've uh, covered them when they won MLS Cup. So I think if you look at it, like when they are 6-12-2 and two and playing bad, the coverage is going to be of a soccer team that is not playing good. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas now, like they're four zero and one right now, they're flying. They're uh, they look like a top two to three team in the league. The coverage is reflecting that too. That's sort of what happened when I posted the Homer thread earlier this season. Is I was this say, like, this really touched on you? Like this is like a this is a yeah. There's a nerve here. Well, it's like uh, yeah, I shouldn't let Twitter get to me as much as I do. But if that's but, the world you live in, yeah, exactly. But and, and you know, honestly, the only reason it got to me is because it happened like four times, and I, I, I got fed up. Uh, like if it had just been one guy in my mentions, I don't think yeah, I, whatever, I don't yeah. think I even would have thought about it. But by the fourth time, I was like, "What are you guys talking about?" But it was just because I, uh, I posted just something complimentary of Seattle's attack, which was flying, scoring a ton of goals, and they were like, "Oh, well, you're just." Calm down. There, it's early in the season. They're not playing that well. You're just saying that because you're a homer that covers the squad. And uh, stop but, reporting the positive things. Yeah, the but team like does. the thing is, if the team is four zero and one with an eleven three goal differential, like that's I don't know how you how do you spin that to be critical just to show you're not a homer. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't exist. That's yeah. not like a 50 like split. We're taking one side or the other. Yeah, they're they're getting the good coverage right now because of how they're playing. It's that that's like an obvious thing that that should be intuitive to most people, but you'd be you'd be surprised. It's like not. Oh, that's, it's so frustrating. <laughs> I watch it happen on your Twitter, and I'm just like, yeah, no. People love my my constant battle. I had a good one yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. I one. go ahead. Oh, what was it? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I've been doing this. Uh, I've been doing this thing on Twitter where uh, because the Mariners are off to a really good start too. Sure, yeah. Uh, I think they're they're eleven and two now, and the Sounders are four zero and one. And so after either one of them wins a game, I'll like combine their record into one record. <laughs> uh, and, like right now, they're combined like fifteen two and and one. Uh, and I and people like actually really like it. Like. Uh, the team accounts have like been responding to it and like the Mariners responded to it the first time I did it, which 
uh, I don't even know. I didn't like tag them or any. They must have an algorithm where they can like see people. They, they just have a, in or, tweet deck. I bet you they have yeah. a word search for Mariners. Yeah, so they exactly. So they must it. have had something like that. So they they like responded to it and were like, "Yeah, we'll take 18 points from seven games." You know, like so. I've been bantering with like the team accounts with it. That's and fun. stuff. Yeah, and the tweets have been doing good numbers. Like so, it's just like a not that serious like funny thing that I'm doing, and most people have have liked it. Uh, and this guy came in my mentions yesterday, uh, and. Uh, you know, I'll freely admit that sometimes if someone comes into my Twitter mentions and is antagonizing me, I'll I'll antagonize them back and like kind of kind of bring the heat on myself a little bit. But this time he was like, "Well, the Sounders aren't off to that good of a." Or he was like, "It's er- too early in the season to be looping the Sounders in with this." Or, or Does he know how many games baseball teams play? Right. So that's the first thing that doesn't make sense, which is that the Sounders are actually percentage wise further. <laughs> Through their season, so small sample size makes is absolutely makes no sense to bring up. Uh, Why can't we then, be happy? I, yeah, no, exactly. Why can't we? Like, Come it's like on. not that serious, dude. It's a joke. But uh, but then, so I actually, but like I said, I can be antagonistic. But I I, I literally wasn't. I I just uh, uh, I was pretty polite in my initial response to him. I was like, oh, you know, fair point. But you know, I think the best five game start in a season that's way shorter than MLB season is a pretty notable notable accomplishment. Plus, I'm just doing a bit. Like, it's not that serious. And then he like came at me with like a really just unnecessary like response where he was like you shouldn't you like you should not be looping in the sounders with this uh just because you cover the sounders it's like unbecoming or something so i was like dude like honestly like no one is paying for these tweets right now yeah man like this is my free time <laughs> i like i uh <laughs> I, I didn't. I don't even remember what I said to him, but basically I was just clowning on him because I mean, what, why? Of all the things to get mad about in the world, like some reporter tweeting an innocuous joke where he's combining the records of two teams that happen to be playing well. Is this really like the hill that needs to be died on? Like, <laughs> that's a good way of saying that. God, like that. man. Like so. I, that's I. That's one of those things that just makes me hate Twitter sometimes. But then I was clowning on him and uh Is it nice when you clown on somebody and then the likes start pouring in on the clown? Oh yeah, it feels good. The uh, endorphins definitely I mean that out. happens in my industry a little bit too. You post something to the station's yeah. you know, a social media and they start someone responds to something crappy and then like someone else ju- either you jump in and say something awesome back or uh, or a fan jumps in and does it and then you end up with like this like fight that develops all while you just watch it. It's very I uh I try not to get into it like that very often just sometimes i just can't help myself of course uh, when you like, spend all the time there if even yeah. one out of 10 times it's still pretty good percentages like. yeah yeah exactly i uh every time i i get into a situation like that i'm like all right i'm going to stop doing that and then like it, i i never stop I, I like i said i can't help it it's just I, it's so easy with your phone in your hand yeah it's like i can dunk on this guy with 10 taps of my fingers like i would, <laughs> Do that. Nothing like making turning fans into enemies. God, it's the best. Yeah, no. This so this guy this guy followed me. That's what I said. I was like, uh, I was like, honestly, like I think it's a funny bit. So I'm gonna keep doing it. If you don't like it, you should just unfollow me. And he was like, okay, I will. And then he like personally insulted me. And I was like, this guy, this guy's literally like, he unfollowed me and is insulting me. 
because I'm like combining the Sounders and Mariners because record. of nothing is what that because is. of nothing. Yeah, like what I I, w- I wish I could just like meet him, you know, and be like and like have like a I think like hiding behind a keyboard, you know, it, yeah, it's sure. it's not like healthy or good, and you can just say whatever you want. I feel like if I actually met the guy and we could actually talk, I could be like, dude, like. It's just a joke. It's not that serious. We're we're good. Like, by you beer can, too, you'd be like having by a fun beer time. Too, we'd yeah, be yeah. having a fun time. I'd be like, we're it's, we're uh, there's no there's no conflict here. It's just a bit like, uh, but like you you seem like a Seattle sports fan. Both of your teams are playing well. You should be happy. Okay, we've got um, I've got some questions that I want to ask you. I'm always curious just about just kind of like more rapid fire stuff. We've been asking questions this whole time. Let's do it. Um, I try to ask everybody that comes in. That'll be three of you now, I think, <laughs> since the Ross Fletcher era of uh, this this podcast. In version two, uh, who's your favorite of all time? I want to know your favorite squad, your favorite sounder, and your favorite player, just in general in soccer of all time. Start with squad, uh, like sounder squad. Doesn't matter. I don't care. It could be Arsenal O one. Well, my favorite squad is New Mexico United. That's not a, That is not a bit man. of uh, of nineteen. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> who's your favorite sounder of all time? Uh, I would say probably Ozzy Alonzo. Um, in terms of players that I really liked uh, watching play the game, yeah, he's so unique. You know, yeah. like uh, the the kind of two way skills that he has, just defensively, but then also as a passer, completing ninety percent of his passes Gosh. every year. I've never seen a player in MLS who can like do quite the things he does. Uh, I love him in defense because he has like yeah. almost like an anime attack on stuff where he's like a little too far away and yeah. then just like darts out and makes the play. It's and that's like a- that's what he's known for is being like the kind of physical presence that's not afraid to get a yellow card. But there's so many other like facets and nuances. But it's a, and it's a touch. It's not just that he was physical. It's that like his precision was out of control. Yeah. Like um, the uh, his ability to get a leg in there, but to get the ball yeah. like. So many more times than not, he could actually make the play without getting a foul, which is like insane. He's like, he's the best defensive. He wasn't midfielder. just the sheriff. He's the best defensive midfielder that's ever played in the league. Like I, I think Diego Chara is the only uh, person you could put up with him. You could maybe you could maybe make the argument that they're you know tied or one A, one B or or whatever. Maybe Sounders fans aren't going to want to hear that, but I I honestly believe that. I mean. Not to get on on too much of a tangent here, but the, the Timbers haven't won without Diego Chara since 2015. That's like one of the craziest stats you'll MLS stats you'll hear. Um, they're like oh 16 and three. I don't know if that's right, but it's it's something ridiculous like wow. that uh, without him when he's like hurt or suspended since 2015. So uh, like I don't like he could should, he could be the MVP every year with that stat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would say Ozzy Alonso and. Uh, and uh, Obafemi Martins is the runner-up. Just God. the just the flash and the flair. Love it. I, love I got a it. chance to interview Oba at the Zakawani charity match last year, and like he was exactly what I wanted him to be. Just like didn't say much, didn't like really like English isn't really his thing to be interviewed in, and was just like super sweet with a big smile the whole time. I was like, you're the best ever. Yeah, and you're tiny. It's amazing. Just a yeah, such an entertaining player. That era with him and Dempsey working yeah. off each other up top was just. That was some of the flashiest, uh, most entertaining soccer that'll probably be played in the league for for a while. All-time favorite player, soccer player, any squad, any league. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's tough. Like, I honestly, following MLS as as much as I do, like, I don't... uh, 
follow the European League. I do a little bit, but not like religiously like some people do. I mean, uh, I mean, you're in the minority I, following. I'll it. say, uh, yeah, no, exactly. Like I'm like a. It, I mean, working for MLS, you're invariably gonna. I try so hard to follow MLS, and it is very challenging for me, but like to try and talk about it every week and not know anything about the opponent. That's why we have Brandon. Brandon, we miss you. Can't wait to have you back. Yeah. Um, but like, I try to follow just in terms of who's scoring goals. I watch the Match Central or whatever it's called on your flagship there, and uh, and watch at least the goal segment to see who the big hotshots are for each team. Yeah. Right now, else. this is a bit of a cliche answer, but right now, my favorite player is Mbappe, just because... Uh, he has like the young up and comer thing going on, and mm-hmm. already has a World Cup. Uh, like the conventional wisdom seems to be, maybe this might be a, a hot take right now, but hot. the conventional wisdom seems to be that when the Messi Ronaldo era is over, like there will never be any anybody or anything that can quite approach their uh, just how dominant they are at at the same time, but also just individually, because it's true that there's never really been players that are quite like them quite that dominant but when i look at mbappe i almost see a guy who has the skills and the dribbling ability and just like the overall attacking brilliance of a messi but then also the physical power and the size and the athleticism of ronaldo he's almost like if you put both of them in the same player and he's like fast i like i and i don't want to like say that he's arrived there yet I, I think I think that's I'll say I think that's his ceiling like if he becomes as good as he could be he could be like a hybrid almost of like the the two of them with the with the finishing ability but then also what makes Messi so great is he, Messi is essentially the best number 10 playmaker that's ever lived and the best finishing striker that's ever lived besides maybe Ronaldo in in like the same player uh, and that's really what separates Messi from Ronaldo to me is uh he he's a much better passer and gets a lot more assists i feel like Mbappe a little more can, of a team guy <laughs> yeah uh and you know you could say Ronaldo is the, uh, the best pure goal scorer of all time but uh yeah i, I just i love watching Mbappe play cuz i just see like all those attributes just like such an elite finisher, but also very unselfish and uh, just a physical specimen. Yeah. So I, I love watching him play. He was created in a Chinese CRISPR lab, so like, it I, is likely he, that he actually is both of those characters and maybe one other person. I, seriously. Michael, Michael like, Jordan maybe is the other? He's uh, he's something else, yeah. I mean, PSG is going to be winning that league for as long as he's on the team, unless they're kicking the ball out of their own goal. Who do you see winning the Golden Clog this year? The Golden what? Oh, you're not familiar with the Golden Clog, the award that the Full 90 Extra Time podcast has given out to the best <laughs> Dutch player in the league for the most goals? No, I'm not. Wait, explain it again. Some sports reporter you are. <laughs> the Golden Clog will be given to the Dutch player in MLS with the most goals in 2019. And so far, uh, Kelvin Leerdam is ahead of Mr. Hewson. Danny Hewson, it's 2-1 to one right now in goals. So, And Danny Hewson's a striker, isn't he? Or is he a midfielder? How dare you? I do not know these things. Cannot <laughs> confirm. I'll, well, I'll just insert Brandon with the, uh, I, the answer. It would be funny if Kelvin, Kelvin Leardham won that as a right back. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm almost positive Danny Houston is a, is a forward or a, a, an attacker in some capacity. So he will probably pass him eventually. Although uh, Kelvin Leardham 
looks like he has a cu- at least a couple more in him. He scored one in Chicago that got uh, oh. rolled offside. That uh, uh, we probably, know we were following the Golden yeah. Clog standings closely. Yeah, no, he got robbed. He should have three realistically right now. It's funny because uh, afterward he said something like. Uh, well, I trust the VAR or something, and it was probably offside. I didn't have the heart to tell him, like, they didn't VAR it, and also I think you were onside. <laughs> that should have been a goal. Uh, Daniel Hewson from Heerlen Limburg, Netherlands, is a forward. Yeah. Measuring so at 1.86 meter. you got to imagine that he is going to uh, to win that. To be fair, he plays for the San Jose that, That's what I was going to say. That's the caveat there. Like he, he plays for the Quakes, and they don't figure to be scoring a lot of goals this year. But, uh, you know, just if he if he gets like a baseline of uh, of fifteen hundred minutes, you have to think he'll get like five or six goals. The importance this season of Sammy the Sounder. Oh, that's a crucial storyline. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been following that one closely. Well, what I'm interested to see is so they're bringing him back for. for this game with Toronto FC on Saturday in honor of like Kids Day, I think, I, and I, I don't know if the idea is like it's a one and done, like Sammy comes back for one game and then it goes back to the Puget Sound, or maybe they're like testing the waters. Let's and hope gonna, not back to Puget Sound. Those yeah. orcas are not doing good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Straight I, back to Russian whale jail. That's the thing <laughs> I read about today. But uh, like, I, I'm interested to see if Sammy the Sounder will continue to because i've always thought the sounders could use the mascot again like uh, people like mascots yeah it's like same thing i was talking about before we need characters out there why not have a mascot do that no i think like they're gonna get a good response to it and they're almost gonna be like we should just keep doing this because like they're uh sports fans just they'll go crazy for a mascot it's i just like him to maybe invest a little bit of money in an upgrade for sammy the sounder i think that there could just be a little small marketing investment to make it a little more you mean like on the costume itself yeah yeah so it doesn't look like i haven't seen it i'm I'm probably like is sammy the sounder looks across in the in the press that they put out looks like a cross in terms of like head is one thing but then body looks like it's either like a 90s Jinko kid going to a <laughs> rave party where you have to call a payphone or um maybe Poochie the dog another 90s Simpsons reference also is in there like big baggy clothes kind of like frumpy like unformed body it just looks like they got the biggest jersey possible and put it over like a snowboarder's jacket okay. well we'll see what happens I'll I'll, uh, I'll see if they can uh scrum up Sammy the Sounder and we can do an interview with him after the game and see, yeah. see how it goes and see if I can get a timeline for if you, you can get a scoop it. that'd be great I'll try and get that scoop for you <laughs> yeah that's great now what I've heard is that Michael Bradley is terrified of orcas and so this is actually a not for the kids as they say but it's actually to intimidate Toronto on our home field that could be some good psychological warfare from the Sounders very smart Seattle and then uh, we're talking about dominant Midfielders, how about this Danny Leva? Yeah, fifteen years old. Will he score a goal in MLS before his sixteenth birthday? And I don't know when that is. Uh, I think it's actually pretty soon. I want to say it's in like a month or a couple months. Uh, I'll say no, only because that's not really his game. Like I think that's actually one of the most impressive things about him is I think when you think of uh, like a big time flashy young prospect who's coming up the ranks like that, a lot of the times it'll be kids who are really good at scoring goals like a striker or an attacking midfielder number 10 uh like a player like that but uh 
Danny used to be a number 10 when I, I think when he first started with the academy. Way back in the day. Yeah, way back in the day when he was 13. Um, <laughs> but they dropped him deeper on the field, and he's now, he, he, uh, he described himself yesterday as like a kind of a two way midfielder. So, and they said he has a good n- nose for goal. So he definitely can score. But I think, at least as of now, you know, he's so young that you don't really know what his best position is yet. But I think as of now, they see him as more of that deeper, uh, more defensive type midfielder who really uh, sees the whole game. Uh, he he said he said a few times he likes pulling the strings, setting guys up, connecting passes, like making the pass that comes before the assist kind of stuff. Um, He's you're describing Ozzy Alonso. Yeah, a little bit. Like I, I wouldn't say like uh, as much of a bruising defender as yeah. Ozzy was, maybe. But in terms of string pulling and controlling the tempo like very similar idea but so to have a kid who's only 15 and has already shown enough attributes with those skills that are required to play because that's a that's a hard position and it's one of the most I think it's you could say almost that it's the most important position on the field in terms of being able to control the game and impose your will on the game how you want to and uh the fact that he's demonstrated that he has the ability to do those things at 15, I, it shows just how far along developmentally he is for 15. And, you know, you like you never want to Freddy do anybody. Yeah, that's um, a big concern. You, like, like the kid doesn't have a driver's license. The kid doesn't have a driver's license. Like anything could happen. But also, uh, like, the vibe I get from him is just like, he is so dedicated and so committed to the game. Like the this guy, you're not gonna have to worry about him like uh going to parties with his high school friends and like getting into His friend is Chad Marshall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to worry like, about him raising three children or something. He's he's never gotten below an A in school in his life. He's just that type of kid. So when you combine that uh mentality and uh, sort of just the level-headedness that he seems to inherently have with just the technical ability, which is just, like, so far beyond any 15-year-old that I've ever seen, certainly. Uh, like, you have a I, you have a star in the making there, for sure. Anyway, what had you accomplished by 15? I was struggling my way to a C-minus in 10th grade chemistry <laughs> en route to logging a standout 2.9 GPA uh, that is Western Washington University quality! <laughs> From Ari Lillian Lillian Wall. You think I could have gotten that and wrapped it up on a nice note? You got it the second time. I just f***ed it up. (laughs) Um, Thanks for coming. Thanks for bringing up that tweet. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming in. Do we appreciate it? Follow Ari at Ari. Good luck. (laughs) A-R-I-L-I-L-J-E-N-W-A-L-L. That's Ari Lillian Wall. Thanks good, for having me, man. This good luck, fun. Good luck finding him yeah. on there. And go uh, go Sounders. Let's, let's see a big uh, upset and a terrified Michael Bradley on Saturday. <laughs>